Bye, Jenny. Jenny's well, leaving us alone. Jenny's gone. When the cat's away, the mice shall play. Welcome to <laughs> Astro Blast, the podcast. My name's Chris Farron. My name's Jess Abbott. And we're two hot, cool little freaks. Two tittering little mice. Tittering? Yeah, you know what I mean? Yes. What is today about? Um, We have to... Hold a gun to your face for a minute while we say things like, great and review us. If you do it, we might read your review on the pod. Right Please. now, I'm going to read one. Nihon Ghost writes, this podcast is so sweet and funny and has actually helped me think about some of my stresses a little differently. Not to mention, it's hosted by two hot musicians. That's so true. Oh, my gosh. Wow. I Who, me? I, who? I, I, what, us? Is, who, are you kidding? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I guess. That's fine. That's funny because, um, nope, I dropped it. <laughs> We're what? I was going to say fucking ugly. <laughs> no! Neither of us are even in the in the vicinity of such a thing. Also write into us at... <laughs> <laughs> no comment. I'm not, I'm not answering any questions at this time. Write into us at astroblasting.com or at astroblasting at gmail.com. We'll give you advice. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at astroblasting. A quick reminder that the Virgo playlist is still up that we put up last week. So Five Virgins. That's the name of the playlist, the Five Virgins playlist. <laughs> it's on Spotify and Apple Music. It's also on our websites under Astro Jams. Also, later in the episode, I'm really excited that we did an astro probe with Sarah Tudson of Illuminati Hotties, so stay tuned for that. Today, we're going to talk about Mars. Mars, my favorite candy bar. Yeah, hell yeah. Actually, I don't feel that way. No, I don't even know what that even tastes like. I, I think it's... it's like pure nougat. You know what? Fuck that. I don't think I even understand what nougat is. You know what company is, you know what candy bar is the worst candy bar? Tell me. Milky Way. Yeah, I think that's pure nougat too. That's disgusting. That shit to that's me. like foamy on the inside. It tastes like squash. <laughs> it's disgusting. Squash Ugh. bar. Milky Way. It's like they forgot they were making a Snickers and forgot the best parts. Yeah, definitely. They like ran out of money for the month. Mm -hmm. They had they had to cut costs. They don't have any more peanuts. When they run out of peanuts, no they just make it. But Milky Way is just like the goo. You know what I what I love that I think kids don't like, but it's something that you grow into is almond joy. I like almond joy. Some, there's something about that single almond in the middle that just gets me all riled up. Oh yeah, totally H for the almond. <laughs> um. Yeah, because now I, I, I think as when I was younger, I would prefer a Mounds, which is an Almond Joy without the almond in it. Oh, right. But now, I don't want a damn Mounds. Get the fuck out of here. I want gotta an get Almond that Joy. Nut. When yeah, you get old enough, you nut. want that nut. <laughs> gotta get that nut. <laughs> Jenny's just in the bathroom laughing. <laughs> Let's talk about the science of Mars. Please, finally. It changes signs every 4.5 to 5 weeks. Okay. Cycling through all of them in about one and a half to two years, including retrograde cycles. That's pretty much all I have to say about the science of Mars right now. Wow. It's the red planet, right? The Mars rover was a thing that was up there. For and sure. And it said goodbye in a sad way, I remember. Mm -hmm. Wasn't that a thing that was like a meme a few months ago? There's like a friggin' oh, yeah. thing on Mars. It was like singing a song to itself that said and then it a died. very sad goodbye and then signed off forever. Yeah. 
That it's should be that's gonna be Gen Z's graduation song. The Mars Rover's goodbye speech. Mm-hmm. Love it. Wow, I actually just got emotional thinking about that. Really? That was a graduation song. Mine was so bad. Mine was some R. Kelly song that wasn't one that You're I knew. Canceled. Jess is canceled. Oh my! Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Wow. Is it? I believe I can fly. No, that would have been fine. Age ain't nothing but a number. That would be really bad. <laughs> was that one in the closet? <laughs> <laughs> um, oh. No, it was like it was like a ballad kind of like I believe I can fly. Is that what it's called? That yeah, that's what that's. Um, but it wasn't that one. Yeah. I, and I was like mush mouthing the lyrics because they made us all sing it together. Is that normal? Ugh. Yeah. I was like, I don't know. This Your high school song. graduation? Yeah, it was. And weird. they made you sing a song together? Yeah, and there were only like 50 of us, too. So you, you like, <laughs> wow. we're easy, easy to pick out in a crowd while you're trying to sing this R. Kelly song. Yeah. What was your graduation song? I was homeschooled. My graduation song Wait, was. Were you really? Yeah. You don't know this? I about thought me? you and Cassie like met in high school or, or did you meet in college? No, neither. We met when I was the age uh, of a person in high school. You were homeschooled? That's right. Oh my god! From second grade, wait, no, from third grade till till death, baby. <laughs> You're still your mom still gets together sends five me, days a week. Sends, I mean, honestly, the way she sends me some of these emails, it feels like I'm still getting homeschooled. So you mentioned in a past episode that your mom runs your Amazon for you. So is that because she, she run my Amazon <laughs> for me? <laughs> that she uh, she uses it for your your texts for learning. Yeah, she she gets my textbooks <laughs> sent directly to me. She doesn't run my Amazon. <laughs> she has an Amazon Prime account, and she realized there was an option to add another person for free. Mm-hmm. And who but her beautiful, perfect son would she choose? Whom she educated, her mini-me. educated educated. I'm her mini-me. Yeah. Wow. So that's the deal. That's the only thing my mom pays for. And my AAA. All right. <laughs> I love doing this podcast with you because I learned so much about you. Um, okay, what were we even talking about? Mars, Mars or something. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. Wait, where did you go to high school? I went to high school in Maine. I went to Robert W. Trape Academy. Robert W. Trape. Yeah. Who is that? I I don't know. He like founded the school or something. Oh, wow. He he founded <laughs> in it like looks fancy and sounds fancy but it was like a public school that had absolutely no money like the ceiling was just leaking all the time and like programs were getting cut constantly we were the students were always protesting teachers being let go but it looked good on a college resume or application even though i didn't go um mars stuff was there anything else about mars there's the word martian there is the word referring Martian. to ec- extraterrestrials, specifically from Mars. Uh huh. Uh huh. There's a lot of I would say most of the if an an alien in a sci-fi movie is from a planet that we have already identified in reality, I'm betting it's gonna be from Mars. Doesn't it seem like you're hearing about Martians more than Plutonians? Oh, Plutonians! Forgot about that one. Well, I think that Mars. It's close, right? Mars and and Pluto are both like fucking cold, right? Right. Or is that just like all planets except Mercury? Isn't Mercury like hot? I'm sure there's burning? some hot one. Well, because uh, Mercury like is big. Well, Jupiter. Jupiter is like not even like there's not even solid 
Oh, is it just like a, a ball of gas? It's I like gaseous. I don't know. Please don't tweet at me about this. Chris I, was homeschooled. I was homeschooled. I went to a poor public school. Yeah, please. And Jenny's not in here, so we have no idea. We're really just lost without her. But if we come together, we form one human brain. That's right. And I liked that movie with Matt Damon. I think that movie's called The Martian. Okay, the astrology of Mars. I'm going to keep repeating this to reinforce it. Astrological signs are all assigned a planetary ruler. Some planets might have two rulers, and this is because Pluto, Neptune, and Uranus weren't discovered when astrology was beginning. And for a, a, just a huge amount of time, I think the first something like thousand years that astrology existed, those planets hadn't been discovered yet. I could be a little off there, but it was a while. Um, Pluto wasn't even discovered until 1930. So when those planets were discovered, and it was obvious when they were discovered that they were a pretty big part of our solar system, they weren't small things they're not not small planets you know with the exception of pluto but still um uh, the astrology community assigned those planets as rulers to some of the signs but some people will still look at the classical ruler of a sign and some will look at the modern ruler of a sign that would have been assigned sometime after 1930 Mm -hmm. i kind of just look at both i think that's the general consensus it's just kind of like you can accept either as a ruler some people might really strongly lean towards one or the other, but for this for this podcast, we'll assume that some planets have two rulers. That'd be three signs that have two planetary rulers. Therefore, in classical astrology, Mars ruled Aries and Scorpio, but nowadays we look at Pluto as the ruler for Scorpio. So again, for the purpose of the episode, we'll say Mars rules Aries and sometimes Scorpio. Okay. Did that make sense or did I just like, were the words just like garble? You said words. That's for sure. <laughs> Mars rules Aries and Pluto. Scorpio. Scorpio. Mars rules Aries and Scorpio. Yes. And Pluto also rules Scorpio. Uh, they share custody. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Okay. But Aries is only ruled by Mars. Okay. And to rule a sign, mm-hmm. what does that mean? It's just a, the planet that, a planet whose energies were assigned to the astrological sign constellation that it felt like a fair representative of. So Mars is actually technically named after Aries because Greek mythology was, at a certain point, appropriated by the Romans. And it was all of the same gods in Greek mythology, but assigned to new names. And their names were things like Jupiter, Neptune, Mars, Venus, all of the what we know as the planets are the Roman gods interpreted, they're the Roman gods as interpreted or as appropriated from the Greek gods. Yeah. So Mars and Aries are the same person, essentially. So when Mars, for whatever reason, that that, that planet was named after that god, astronomers who discovered the planets named them that. That's all I wanted to, that's all I wanted to hear. <laughs> oh my God, I'm going to have to edit so much of oh, this Oh yeah, I'm out. taking you down. By the end of this, you're not going to believe in astrology. <laughs> it's going to switch. Well, at this point we're talking about, we're talking about like classical astronomy. I don't know shit yeah. about that. Yeah. I forgot to mention last week that Venus is associated with Aphrodite. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sexy. Who is the god of, yeah, love and sex and beauty. Uh, these gods are very different energetically. Aphrodite and Aries. You know, here's two things that makes me know that I would um, not will make me like write a person off completely, but will make me go. Ugh. <laughs> Is one if you say 
I had oysters, and the person goes, oh, sex, or whatever, you know, because they're an aphrodisiac, allegedly. You're saying you don't like people who... I feel like there's been a stretch in my life where I couldn't say oyster without somebody going, oh. So we're not talking about all aphrodisiacs. We're just talking about oysters. I'm talking about just oysters. Interesting. Because I feel like the only thing people have to say when you say I just had oysters is, oh, sex. No one's ever said that to me, but I also hate oysters. So Delicious. I love them because they make me so horny. Um, (laughs) And the second thing is if I'm on tour and the tour is going to San Diego and somebody quotes Anchorman in reference to San Diego. I've done it probably four times this month alone because I went to San Diego for the Oh my gosh, you admit it. Well, you're canceled to me. <laughs> well, when in Rome. Hey, baby. Isn't that also an Anchorman quote? I don't know. It's fine. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to take you down or take you. I didn't no, mean I to. No, I know that to, it's to... terrible when I say San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> I hate myself when I say it. <laughs> well, then there's a level of, you know, there's it's layered. You ever notice when we podcast, I am laying in all sorts of different ways? Yeah, I love when you like change positions and then pick up the mic stand and readjust it and then you're like when you're going to get into a serious thought (laughs) you're like oysters (laughs) (laughs) great okay so mars associated with aries venus associated with aphrodite two Mm -hmm. very very different gods different energies completely one is the god of war and one is the god of love so polar opposites there Traditionally, Mars represents war, conflict, action, sex, and the non-gender specific masculine energy in our lives, whether in ourselves or the people around us. War sounds a little extreme, so in astrology we think of it as our own personal battles that we choose to incite or ignore. Sometimes personal wars and battles are necessary in order to either achieve what we want or uncover who we are and what we're capable of. Think of Mars. I came up with this analogy today and I was like, I'm really into this analogy I did. Give it to me. Think of Mars like your horse. My horse? Yes. My horse. Yep. I didn't know you knew about that. Okay, go ahead. (laughs) You want it to carry you forward, but you want it to be healthy and controllable. You don't want to let the energy of your Mars or your horse run free because it may go wild and you could become too assertive or lose direction. You could fall off your horse. But you don't want to stifle it because you'll just hold yourself back from getting where you want. So Mars is about finding that happy balance allowing the more aggressive or we'll say assertive energies about yourself, letting those energies roam, but not being a total dickhead. Mm -hmm. When you're struggling, Mars is what picks you up by your bootstraps and pulls you away from self-pity and victimhood. When you're feeling depressed or sad or stuck, looking at Mars can get you in touch with what inspires you and how you can move forward with your life. So if you're feeling sad and you're like, I don't know what the fuck to do with myself. All of this is meaningless. I mean, I, I... I'm sure we we all feel that way. Never. I've never felt that way. <laughs> uh, we're all living in 2019. We've I am all... mentally flawless. <laughs> you can look at Mars in your chart and try to get in touch with the things that you feel passionate about acting out or acting on and moving forward with about what it's what propels you. And so if you've lost track and you, you don't feel propelled and you want to get back on track. Thinking about what are those things that you really care about and what motivates you, what makes you want to get up and do something. What are, What is your reason? What is your drive for moving forward? And that's what Mars can help you figure out. Mars and Venus rule opposite realms, yet fit together like yin and yang. 
As we learned last week, Venus represents our soul's desire and Mars represents how we're going to get there. The intersection of the two, the tiny dots and the yin-yang symbol, is sex. Venus is what we desire from oh, a sexual oysters. partner. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> and Mars is what turns us on. Oh boy, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So they work with sex in, in two different ways. Both planets are sexual, just in, in different ways. When we look at chemistry between two people, one thing we are sure to look at is the signs of their Mars and Venuses and how they interact. So I would look at my Mars and the other person's Venus and then look at my Venus and their Mars and see how those opposite energies are at play together. Right. The last general tidbit I'll say about Mars is when we think about, so think about the the phrases martial law and martial arts. Mm-hmm. So those are very like energetic, almost war-based words, fighting energy-based words that are Oh, is Mar like a, to Mars. Uh, a Latin suffix of something? It must be, and actually Mar itself, even as the modern translation of Mar, feels kind of like an aggressive word. Yeah, yeah. So these are just things, I guess, that can help call your brain back to the meaning of Mars when you're thinking about astrology. There's a lot of cultural, linguistic things that can help you remember yeah. what Mars is all about. Mars Attacks. That movie, I watched it again recently, holds up. Very Those funny. are some fucking Martians. That's a very funny movie. The way they talk is perfect. Back, 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 back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. Tim Burton. When that that's Tim Burton? Yeah. Oh my god. There's like no black in that movie. It's I know, no no Johnny Depp. Thank I don't god. Think. They should have made every single alien Johnny Depp. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about Mars retrograde. Oh my god. <laughs> Mars ret- Mars must be in retrograde because my hair is falling off. <laughs> no. And my fingernails are growing double as fast as they normally do. <laughs> Mars retrograde is going to be a lot different from Mer- Mercury retrograde. And I have pink eye. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> so Mars goes retrograde every 26 months, so just over two years. It's less frequently than any other planet, actually. And it looks like it's going backwards, even though it's not. That's what retrograde means. Yes, exactly. You taught me that. Mm-hmm. It lasts about two to three months when it's in retrograde. Oh, my God. So, but it's not bad? Well, well, we'll get there. It's not like... We'll, it's not we'll as bad see. as Mercury. No. I crashed my car. I started my period. <laughs> Mercury retrograde, as we learned before, lasts a few weeks, and it happens three to four times a year. Mars lasts two to three months, but only happens every just over two years. Only one in every six or seven people will have Mars retrograde in their natal chart. Oh. If Mars is retrograde in your natal chart, then you may feel the effects of retrograde Mars more strongly when it happens every couple of years. Mars is about outward projection and action, anger, and sex. In retrograde, we pause all of those things and internalize them, reflect on why we're acting on the things we're acting on, why we may be angry or frustrated. We reevaluate our sexual nature and see if it aligns with the desires of our Venus. Are we acting on love in a way that feels right? Are we honoring ourselves? Oh, that seems seems like a more introspective situation than when Mercury's in retrograde. Yeah, and Mercury should be more introspective. It just culturally has gone off the rails it's been memed it's yeah it's been it's totally been memed any any retrograde for any planet should be interest and a period of introspection with just different themes based on the planet right but it's easier to respect mars in that way because it's the less popular it's a lesser popular retrograde i respect mars so if it it next goes retrograde in almost exactly a year from the release of this episode so september (sighs) of 2020 it'll be retrograde in aries in the first house which is associated with aries and Mars, which rules Aries. So we're looking at a triple dose of Aries, basically. 
We're looking at the planet, the sign, and the house that are all specifically related to Aries. Oh, mama. And Aries, as we learned in our episode on the 12 signs, is very similar to what Mars is about. Okay. Forward-moving, yes. action-based, uh-huh. impulsiveness, uh-huh. spearheading things. Yes. So Martial arts. Exactly, martial arts. So when Mars goes retrograde... Marshall Mathers. Mar- kind of Marshall an aggressive Ma- person himself. Oh, yeah, definitely. Good one. Some of these lyrics he says. Ooh, yeah. boy. Sometimes he swears, even. He's been cursing. He's like a, the, the Deadpool of rap. <laughs> so at that time, when Mars goes retrograde in September of 2020, we can expect a massive reevaluation of how we're directing our lives in the world, of our movement. It will be a huge reckoning with ourselves and how we manage anger and accomplishment. But it will potentially yield an insane amount of growth for those who pause and meditate on it in that time. It will also be an election season at that time, and Mars will go direct right after Ooh, the election. And how right before, exciting. And right before the inauguration, where we'll be carried into an intense new surge of motion. So we're looking at, as a society, during Mars retrograde for two or three months, right around election season, reprioritizing what we care about, what energizes us, and how we're going to carry our nation forward. God. And then after we exit that period of introspection, it goes direct again right before the inauguration and we'll be carrying forward into whatever the fuck is going to happen. Also, I mean, Aries, if any sign is about bloodshed, it's Aries. So I think it's going to be a brutal, savage, disturbing, just completely reconstructive election season. And I, I don't know I would, how. I hope it is reconstructive for sure. I mean, reconstructive, but I mean, it could it could be reconstructive in a dark way too, oh, I think. God. I don't know, man. It's not going to be good no matter what. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> Fuck. Okay, let's take a quick break for an Astro Probe. Hello, I am here with Sarah Tudson of LA-based band Illuminati Hotties. What up? Sarah, what's up? <laughs> yeah. Uh, we first met, um, I guess we've only hung out once. This is our second hangout. We hung out once at your show. You were very busy, so. Yes. I, understandably very busy. Yes, I met you through my bass player, Alex Bourne. Um, yes. Who did out. sound for a hottie show. Oh, did he? In New Hampshire. That's how I met Alex. Did yeah. you play 3S? We played, <laughs> we played at a bookstore. Oh, you played at, uh, Book and Bar. Yes. Oh my God, love <laughs> Book and Bar. Yeah. Yes, Portsmouth, New Hampshire, my old stomping ground where Tankard bass player Alex Bourne still lives. Shout out. Yeah, <laughs> I hope he's listening. He better be. He told me he listens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so tell me a little bit about your relationship to astrology. Okay, relationship to astrology. Um, I think that I didn't really know anything about it for, like, probably most of my whole entire life other than that... I knew when I was born and like wait. So before you finish, how long have you lived in LA? My whole life. Oh, you're like born. I was born and raised here. I moved to Boston for school for a little while. Oh, where'd you go? Berkeley. I just like I knew, you know, that everybody is assigned a a zodiac sign, horoscope sign, and I think I didn't really know anything about it or what it meant. And then it suddenly became like very buzzy in everyone's talking points. Like instead of like. What's the weather like? Everybody was all of a sudden like, "What's your what's your moon and rising sign?" Yeah, and um, and so I like looked into it a little bit, and then I like started. I really love like patterns. Like I I feel like I love to pick up on patterns, and with music that's really exciting, and with reading that's always really exciting. And astrology felt very pattern based to me, and I started realizing like 
I had only like up until maybe two years ago dated people that were water signs. Oh my gosh. Mostly cancers until one Scorpio, one Pisces. Mm -hmm. Wow. And like, I was like, whoa, like this is wild and probably maybe purely coincidental, but also, I don't know. I think there's something to be said about the way you interact with people based on like when, like, you know. The, the nurture of their life is like when they're born mm-hmm. if you're born in the spring i think you have like a different relationship to the summer and the fall than you do if you were born in the winter or something yeah cool yeah. okay i'm surprised you went your whole like most of your life not knowing much about it considering you're born and raised in la i know i think you know i lived a pretty like normy life and uh growing up was like you know i think there's a lot of kids who are la locals who like are very much grew up a part of the art scene or the movie scene or the music scene or something. And my parents don't do anything that's particularly, well, that's at entertainment based at all. Yeah. And um, I was just out in the valley, like doing my thing and being a band geek. So mm-hmm. I think I was a little far removed from like, what is your average LA native? Um, yeah. So before we do the questions, what are your sun, moon and rising? Um, I am a Taurus sun, Virgo moon. And Sagittarius rising. Okay, you ready for the first question? Yes. Okay, sun question. What is your purpose? What do you think your purpose is? Oh my god. <laughs> Whoa. I but... love the, asking that question because everybody does exactly what you just did when I ask it. <laughs> I mean, I think that like as humans, I think like our whole sort of like struggle with life is finding mm-hmm. our purpose, right? That's sort of like a very overwhelming and kind of scary thing to tackle for a, a mere definitely rock and roller over here (laughs) um some might argue that rock and rollers are the ones who think about it the most (laughs) (laughs) probably i think we have to a little as art art makers like you know you have to like i think my purpose that's so crazy that's (laughs) personally i have an idea of what i want my purpose to be Mm -hmm. but i also think that that's not necessarily what it is. Like, What do you want your purpose to be? I would love to be a creative professional who inspires other people to access their creativity and access their sort of motivation to make good changes around them. And um, I would love to continue making art with purposeful intent and to sort of get that reaction out of other people that like that they want to engage with it and that they want to also start making output of their own and I think in general as a human I would need my purpose to be figuring out how to live as many days as you can making the the space around you better for everyone else so everyone's stoked about being there and that I think Honestly, it probably becomes a little bit harder to do as time goes on and populations boom. Yes. <laughs> it's so much harder to not just kind of like fuck up someone's day even totally on accident when you're just interacting like digitally or just like going out driving or whatever. Like even just yeah. being in a car, you have to interact with so many other people. And um, so, yeah, being conscious of the space you take up. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's extremely important. Um, okay, cool. Let's do question two. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the moon question. What makes you feel safe? Ooh, what makes me feel safe? I think that I 
a part of me is like not so concerned with safety like I definitely worked really hard at like pushing myself beyond my comfort zones and like that was a lot of my college years was sort of being like this is what I would do normally but like how can I shift it or how can I approach it differently or how can I not do it at all or like do something totally different and like kind of try things out and and see what I liked or what I didn't like and and sort of like a I don't think I've ever put myself in an unsafe situation but I you know I, I've definitely tried to sort of like play with what I thought was safe versus like how how much I actually could push myself and I, I think I learned a lot about how much I can do or accomplish or interact with when I was like okay this is like what I maybe would have thought was the limit but you know I'm beyond this age now and like maybe I will take one step further and see what if I'm still safe and so far it's been fine so you're saying <laughs> that you kind of like your for your your own sense of security your security blanket for you has been yourself you've created like you trust yourself to make yourself feel safe yeah definitely I mean yeah at the end of the day I think like if I'm doing it then I'm gonna be able to survive it all right final question okay what TV show character or movie character do you most identify with or aspire to be like? However you choose to interpret it. Who's your ultimate TV show or movie character? Um, Man, that's hard. I feel like, I don't know, when you said it, I like instantly went to like the Winnie the Pooh universe. Because I feel yeah. like there's a lot of characters that like... It's a beautiful universe. ...represent a or extremely specific... Those characters are like pure archetype, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there definitely are. I I re- I mean I was like super into the, like I was fond of that as a kid, I think. Yeah. And like sort of the imagination realm of like I feel like the the kid in Winnie the Pooh, the Christopher, Christopher Robin, Robin, who's yeah. like interacting with all of that and sort of like figuring out how he fits into it or like who his homies are. He's down for the adventure. I think that mm-hmm. he, you know, has created this world and to me, he's, like, created a world for himself where he's comfortable, but also, like, interacts with a lot of different personality types. Yeah, I mean, um, now that you're saying this, first of all, there must be some really tight, like, think pieces or books about, about this There's whole gotta thing. be. I can't be the first person. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're right. He did completely create this world, but also, I think, now that you're, I'm realizing this now, that Christopher Robin, like in many other kids' stories and books and movies and shows, created his own universe to live in that's like fun and his imagination but also he's not the central figure in it he's like, not Winnie the Pooh is he's like a side character in his own world which is mm-hmm. really cool yeah huh. totally so you you're interested in a world of creativity that you're not the only key person in absolutely I think that's that's right on hell yeah mm-hmm. well, we did we've made a full circle here I feel like we've got a whole <laughs> picture here Oh my um, gosh, wow. <laughs> we've covered so much terrain. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, Illuminati Hotties is about to be going on tour with Pup, and that begins... That we have our first date on September 5th at Hopscotch Fest, and then our first date with Pup is September 11th, and AJJ is also playing the first few shows, and then we do the rest of the dates with Potty Mouth. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we've got previous guests of the pod. Also, Chris just toured with, um, with AJJ a few months ago, mm-hmm. so it's... 
a lot of intersection happening here. And then you've got something happening tomorrow on the internet. Yes, we have some new noise about to drop. So if you're September, listening to this, September 4th on my calendar. Uh, go check that out. And uh, surely you've been inspired so far in, in this Astro Probe to hear the the lyricism and the poeticism from <laughs> Sarah Tudson. So go check out her music. Oh, um, on this thanks. note, I'm going to end the the astro probe so this microphone that keeps sagging on the stand will leave me alone <laughs> let's talk a little bit about uh mars in the elements and okay. in the signs specifically so mars in a fire sign do you remember the three fire signs mm. aries leo and sagittarius ah, i would have never guessed so if your mars is in a fire sign aries leo or sagittarius it's a very a hyper energetic placement. These are the one take have people. And I wish that producer Jenny had decided to stick around for this taping because I put that quote in there for her. What does it say? Want take have. Want it's take from an episode have. of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That's a that's one of those TV shows. I knew it. So the this is Fire Mars people are that they're that kind of person. Not that they're gonna like rob a store, but that when they want something they take they're robbers. it. <laughs> if you have a fire Mars, you're, you're probably robber. in jail right now, listening to the pod from your jail cell. These people are prone to anger and aggression. They're impulsive and highly sexual. Mm. If it's Aries, if you have an Aries Mars, this is one of the two best placements for Mars. The two best placements being Aries and Scorpio because Mars rules them. If you have a Mars, an Aries Mars, um, you're, these people are very courageous and independent but can lack patience and self-control and they're sexually confident. Leo Mars people are, which is what I have, confident and dramatic when it comes to achieving goals, warm and energetic, but requires recognition for their work, inspirational for others, and very direct sexually. Mm. Sagittarius Mars people are- What am I? You are Pisces, so you're going to be coming up. Thank you. Sagittarius Mars people, their actions are erratic and enthusiastic. They're highly optimistic, courageous and strong, spontaneous and sexually expansive, always seeking experiences. So much people. sex. Well, Mars is the planet of sex, so that's why I'm bringing sex into all of it. Wow. Mars and Venus, but yeah, Mars is more kind of like where Venus is. It's more loving, maybe. Yeah, it's it's more and about Mars love. More primal. Yes. Yeah, Money it's more horny. about the act. Wow. It's less about the feelings of the sex and more about the act of the sex. Mars is just like jacking off practically. Yeah, all day long. If you have an Earth sign Mars, Earth signs being Taurus, Virgo, and Capricorn, mm-hmm. they have a steady build to action. They're not overly impulsive. They're stable in temperament. They're edging. <laughs> yeah, they're totally edging. They're patient but determined when it comes to sexual matters. Oh my God, they're sex. Taurus Mars people, this is one of the worst placements for Mars. It's because Taurus is ruled by Venus. Right. Taurus and Libra are both ruled by Venus, so they're not good mars placements at all the opposite energy very low energy and practical which can hold back achievement very persistent but sometimes without the direction to ultimately obtain what they want powerful sex drive that is highly sensuous virgo mars people they have loads of self-discipline and knowledge in terms of their goals and, and achievements but without the sensory or emotional component that can help them get there Intelligence and the desire to help others is what ultimately helps get them from point A to point B. They sexually seek to feel wanted, but they don't have the biggest sex drive as they need the space to focus on learning and their goals. Capricorn Mars is the second best placement for Mars. We call this an exaltation when something is the second best placement. Mm. So it's, it's not the ruling placement 
where Aries and Scorpio are. It's the exaltation. So Capricorn is the exaltation of Mars. It's the second best placement for Mars. It's a very determined and motivated sign, Capricorn. Um, so they're motivated to achieve. And it, so that pairs well with this planet that is about action and doing, about how you achieve things. The biggest hurdle for these people will be overcoming the feeling of being unloved or not special enough. But once this is worked on, Capricorn can, can be unstoppable in their endeavors. They're not prone to anger, but rather to coldness. They're highly sexual, though their sex drive is definitely second to their career drive. Damn. Air Mars people use their words to achieve their goals. This is Gemini, Libra, and Aquarius. They use their words to achieve their goals. They analyze their actions before carrying them out. Disputes will be verbal and non-physical. ASMR porn. Jerk off instructions. <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah. They can think themselves into and out of anger. Sexually curious and very active. So Gemini Mars, these people are argumentative as fuck. Very critical. They love to debate. They can be irritable. Restlessness may make these people very active, always rooting out all of the different paths they can take to get to a place. Mentally invigorated, though not invigorated to take action necessarily. They're stuck in contemplation. Sexually, they're lively and experimental. Mm. Libra Mars, um, I said this a minute ago, it's one of the worst placements for Mars because it's ruled by Venus. They need to keep the peace and help helping others achieve their wants keeps them from achieving their own wants. They achieve their goals socially, they're slow to anger, and they're very agreeable, very low energy placement, and Mars itself is all about energy. They enjoy sex because of its link to partnership, but ultimately prefer having fun with someone and getting closer to them. Mm. They're very friendly, they achieve their goals in out-of-the-box ways. When an Aquarius Mars is on a mission, you don't forget it because of its original its originality, like the way that it's carried out will feel very different. But they can be incredibly dry and rub people the wrong way, which can hold them back. Their desire to help others at large can detract from their own mission. Sexually inclined, and they love to experiment. Mm. And lastly, we've got water Mars signs. So I'm like, I gotta be in here. Yep, you've got a water Mars. All right. So except in Scorpio, which is ruled by Mars, and therefore an advantageous placement, water makes a challenging Mars, as they're the last ones to initiate or confront. They can hold grudges and internalize their issues with the world or others until their energy is completely adrift. It's harder for them to achieve what they're after because of this. They're sexually very romantic and sweet. So water does not make a great Mars placement, except for Scorpio. But first, let's talk about Cancer Mars. This is the worst, the absolute worst placement for Mars. Um, it is known as the fall of a sign. So we've got the ruling placement, the exaltation, which is the second best, and then the fall is the absolute shittiest sign that, that a planet can have. Mm -hmm. So for Mars, that would be Cancer. It is not in Cancer's nature to achieve, but rather to harmoniously, harmoniously attain through partnership and gentleness. The opposite of Mars is energy. High emotions can block your path as well as a lack of spontaneity. They'll fight when forced to do so, but never wants to be the one to draw first blood. They sexually seek comfort and sweetness. If you've got a Scorpio Mars, this is, it's one of the best placements. It's incredibly high energy, very ambitious, and well-balanced when it comes to emotion versus action. That's so you got the worst and the best? In, in water? Mm-hmm. Wow. And so here's kind of why it's the best. Scorpio is the most aggressive water sign, but it also is in touch emotionally. Mm -hmm. it, it's highly emotional. So mm -hmm. when you kind of pair them together, Scorpio harnesses its power from Mars, which is a fire planet. So it's kind of like a coming together of water and mm -hmm. fire, which creates a very balanced placement of, of emotion and action. They're powerful and perceptive, full of potential, the most sexual placement for Mars. 
Scorpio is already the most sexual sign, Damn. and Mars is the sexual planet. So when it's together, you get someone who bust. Yeah, they're gonna bust. They have a voracious sexual appetite, and they're willing to get deeply sensuous should the situation call oh for it. Oh, my God. Lastly, last but certainly not least, Chris's Pisces Thank Mars. Thank you. Finally. Did you save it for last because you knew I would be waiting? Pisces Mars. Tell very... me about myself sexually. Go ahead. <laughs> very low energy when it comes to getting things done. What the hell? Willing to engage emotionally at any cost, but ultimately held back by their own lack of drive. Oh, my God. This is fucked. I mean, this doesn't sound... Especially like you because Thank you've you. got a heavy dose of Capricorn in your big three, which that's is the right. opposite of that. They're very motivated yeah, and down to getting things right. done. Okay. So they can kind of balance each other. They rarely engage in fights, but we'll never forget it if you push them into one. Hell yeah. That sounds like you, I would say. Yeah, baby. Sex is very fluid for these people. They yeah, don't typically... Involved, that's for sure. <laughs> they don't typically engage sexually for the sake of it, but rather to bond with the other person. Mm, sure. <laughs> well, here's the thing that I, I think I can safely say about you. I mean, you've been with the same woman for collectively more than 10 years. That's, That's right. incredibly Pisces, Pisces. It's sweet and dedicated and gentle, but mm -hmm. also because you have that safety and that history with her, and she's also got a Pisces moon to kind of balance with your Pisces Mars, you're able to just go to Bone Town all the time. Take it to Bone Town. And that wraps up Mars. We did it. Hell yeah. Mars. In, in, this really sums it up. Mars attacks. <laughs> Nailed it. Nailed it. Let's... I'm literally upside down right now. Yeah, he's really... <laughs> I'm going to take a picture, and then I'm going to put it on the gram hey, when baby. the episode comes out. Let me... I'm upside down. Upside I just down. opened up my phone, and Instagram right was open, down. and there was a... Pornhub so, meme. And what I just, the hell? I feel like Pornhub comes so, up in the pod room uh, more than anywhere else on earth. Round and round. Upside down. Keep, mm. keep doing that. Oh, I'm going to make a boomerang. Upside down. Round and round. Inside out. All right, let's do some advice questions. Advice, baby. All right, this is from Unnamed. I'm a Scorpio and my wife is a Libra. How many babies should we have and what would be the ideal sign for a baby to make our family harmonious? Just go. Do you like how I put that question in here because it's about baby making? Baby making and Mars is sexual and as we all know, sex can lead to having a baby. And this person is a Scorpio. This is your episode, baby. This is the Mars Scorpio episode. You are the horniest you're our, congratulations, you're our horniest listener. <laughs> You'll get the horniest listener award. We'll mail it to you. Unnamed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, predictive astrology can take a stab at how many babies you'll have. Or you could have someone perhaps suggest to you how many babies you should have. But I don't really subscribe to either of those methods because I'm, I'm just talking about psychological astrology. So... I can't answer that for you, except to say, how many babies do you want to have? How many babies does your wife want to have? You should probably ask her first. Yeah. If you say three and your wife says one, two. <laughs> That's math. She can pop two out at once. But to answer the second part of your question, what would be the ideal sign for a baby to make your family harmonious? There's actually a lot of 
a lot of different differing opinions in the astrological community about this because some people will actually pay to go get an astrological consultation to figure out the planning of when they're going to get pregnant because then they'll be able to time out in theory when like what the sign will be of their baby right. or people will schedule cesareans so that they can pick out the exact minute that their child is born and know their chart in advance that seems um psychotic ill-advised yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> a little irresponsible like medically almost yeah also like at that point it kind of feels like someone's chart becomes moot because it's they've had a life forced upon them yeah uh, but but I do spend a lot of time thinking about what um, what kind of like if I could pick a, a sign, what kind of child I would want to have. And and we can kind of harken back to the moon episode when we think about this, because your moon, the moon of a parent is the love that they want to be giving to their child. That's the energy of the love that they want to be giving. Unnamed, our horniest listener. You're going to do great. Question number two is from Morgan, and they write, I'm starting college soon, and I'm a baby, so I'm just looking for some advice on how to fucking survive, exclamation Our point, first baby writer in her. Wow. How do I talk to new people? How do I live by myself? What do I do when I'm sad and miss all my friends? I feel pretty lost because I have no idea what I want to study, so I would appreciate any advice. Thanks a bunch. Morgan, I'm getting really positive vibes from you right now. Me too. You seem very sweet. I didn't go to college. I don't know what to tell you, man. Chris went for two years. Yeah, but we, I mean, I, but I didn't go anywhere. I was just at home. Did your mom homeschool you for college? No, no, no. You can't (laughs) homeschool college. Um, You know, but we could, I'm sure we can both give advice on embarking on a new stage of your life and everything, you know? Mm -hmm. I'm sure you moved somewhere around the time people were going to college. I once visited my friend who was a year older than me. So when I was a senior in high school, I went to her campus and stayed the night once. Right. And I had a riveting college experience where we stood outside and smoked cigarettes with like 30 other people and then listened to music in a dorm and talked about life till we fell asleep at like 5 a.m. Love it. So uh, I guess that's what you do, right? Isn't that what you do in college? Morgan, you're going to have a great time. You're going to meet people. You know, I, I would say just go, you know, find the, the things that you would like to do where you're going to college, like in the in the town you're going to college in. There's got to be clubs, too. Right? I feel like go colleges have every club. Or club. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like uh, chess club. <laughs> Anime uh, club. Anime club. You know. Pornhub club. Pornhub club. All these things. They just call it porn club. You're porn club that's cool you're gonna find your people i'm sure of it and the you know the worst case scenario you don't know what you want to study yet but you're gonna figure that out that's gonna be a fun adventure figuring out what classes you like and what kind of shit you're into so just live in the moment have fun do your homework don't waste your parents money if you don't want to go then drop out don't waste your parents money yeah drop out (laughs) yeah just drop out you'll feel better all right next question all right my this is an unnamed person my question is about what you, Jess, have said a few times about how astrology to you is not a fortune-telling device, but more like a psychological tool. I was wondering if you could expand on that, because on the one hand, I understand it's like a map of a person's personality that you can use to understand someone else or help you see your own self more clearly. But to me, it's the idea that you're you're still saying that your psych, your psychology is determined by your time and place of birth, 
rather than genetics or personal experience. So there is a certain amount of mysticism or spiritualism involved at that level. So here's how I'm going to answer this question. Let's say that astrology is a well and people that believe in the mysticism and the spirituality of astrology are implying that you reach into the well and you pull out information about yourself. And what it seems like this person is implying is, is that I'm implying that we reach into that well and pull out our psychology. Mm-hmm. But that's not, that's definitely not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we take ourselves and our psychology as a person, who we are, our internal projections and our thoughts, who just who we are, and we're putting it into that well and we're mixing it all up and then pulling it out. We're seeing what we pull out, what it is that of ourselves that we pull out of there. So no, I don't think that our astrological chart and or the stars or whatever are, are deciding for us what our psychology is. You don't have to identify with everything in your chart. You can kind of cherry pick what you're going to learn a lesson from. Um, yeah. This has all been the long way. Sorry of saying that no, I don't think that astrology is... I don't think that we are predetermined. I think that our experiences and who we are are things on, on their own. And we can choose to introduce astrology into our lives to better dissect our own brains. You think when we die, it's boom, dead, over? My instinct is like, no. There's Wait. not. There's. I think we just die. But yeah. I have seen ghosts. a ghost. What? Yeah, it was like... At the end of the episode, you were talking about you've seen a ghost? Yeah. Wait, should we tease this for next week? You want me to talk about the ghost next week? Yeah. I am... A ghost. You are a ghost. (laughs) I am an incredibly analytical, logical, just like dry, straight to the point person. I grew up atheist. I've I've been godless my entire life. Hell yeah. I used to, unfortunately, as a young teen, very young, like 14, subscribe to Pastafarianism, which I have previously bashed in this podcast. What is that? Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster, where atheists just like troll people. I, I was 14. Jenny is outside and just put her face into the window to say that, and it scared the shit out of me. But I have, in fact, seen a ghost, and I am 1,000% sure of what I saw, and nothing will ever change my mind. It was an experience that is burned into my brain. It happened. Ghosts are real. I, I know a few people who I think otherwise are... Um, I wouldn't expect to have like say i've seen a ghost and mm-hmm. like they go like i definitely saw a ghost like 1000 percent mm-hmm. that i believe I'll, i guess i'll tell the story next time yeah but it this is it's a, fucking this is a real. big tease speaking of big tease cassie please come home <laughs> speaking of big tease i'm h for the d to the stars and back baby oh.